phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome back to Federation Radio with your host Floyd once again. So I just finished going through the episode Trouble Tribbles. Which is a very classic episode. The original Tribbles, which are these little fur balls that are like... They sort of vary in size, but they're like the size of a potato around about, about a handful. And they're furry. And they purr, basically. Well, they make a sound that supposedly... Spock says has a tranquilizing thing uh, effect on humans. I don't think it's that case. I think it's just like it's humans naturally find them very cute and therefore like them. Now, the episode starts with them off doing usual ship things and then they get a priority one alert, which I get the feeling is the equivalent of like a DEFCON 1. Like this is a we are about to go to war or someone has just declared war because the ship comes roaring in, stays on the outskirts of the system that it was called to the starbase which is starbase k7 and it's on radio silence so like this is they're coming in quiet ready for combat expecting basically a war zone and they arrive and doesn't seem like anything's wrong station's there it's fine no debris no sign of attack no other ships so they call down to yellow alert and then they go and see the administrator make contact like what the hell is going on and we get to meet this man he tells him well, it's the leader of the station says, yes, I'm sorry, Captain. If you'll come aboard, I can explain to you. So, of course, Kirk and Spock, they go aboard and we get to meet. <laughs> and this made me laugh because this is the ultimate, like, useless government bureaucrat guy getting in over his head. The Undersecretary of Federation Agriculture Commission, which is just the sort of obnoxious title that you know self-important politicians are going to give themselves. And the sort that are going to come in and throw their authority around like they know something and make constant mistakes and expect you to just deal with it. Which is basically exactly what this guy does. Now, we learn that this station is over a planet called uh, Sherman Planet, or at least to Earth, I don't know what the Klingons call it. And apparently in the peace accords with the Klingons, there is an agreement that whoever can develop the planet the best we'll get to keep it. So I think they each have like a section of it that they're ruling for the moment, and both sides have agreed that whichever side prospers more will be the one that gets to keep it. Now this guy, the agriculture minister basically, is in charge of growing food there, and he has brought this, they keep talking about it, it's like quadracillin grain or something. I don't know if it's a real thing, but apparently it's a special type of grain that is able to be grown very quickly it's able to regrow very easily, and it's meant to be, like, the ideal. Like, if you're on a planet and you want to develop a food source to make it self-efficient, this is maybe not the tastiest, but the most ideal. No one will starve if you plant this. And he's brought shit tons of it. And it's all in the storage compartments being stored on Starbase K7. And he called a priority one, because in his mind, this is a priority one. This is an important moment to the Federation, and he needs security for the grain, because there are ships coming in and out all the time with the Starbase, and he wants to make sure they're safe. Uh, which, while I agree, it's probably important. I also agree with Kirk that doing a priority one alert was a bit extreme. He could have just radioed the nearest ship and requested support. They probably would have sent the Enterprise anyway. But doing the priority one, like, I agree with Kirk, you should probably be charged for that. That's bullshit. You you cannot put an entire sector on high alert thinking they're in a state of war because you're a little paranoid someone might take your grain. You know, it's just not right. But anyway, he gets away with it. Kirk, at first, is very, like, sarcastic with him and 
basically has no time for him whatsoever, thinks he's an absolute moron, basically tells him as such to his face and says that he will be filing a report with Starfleet and that the misuse of a Priority One channel will be punished. And he responds with, I do have the authority, and then he gives his whole title. And Spock does say, well, technically he is in the Federation Council, therefore he does have the authority to do something like this. Kirk does file a report about it. But he hears back from an admiral that apparently, even though they agree that what he did was wrong, they also state that, well, what can you do about it? This is an important situation, and while we agree you shouldn't have used Priority 1, you're needed there. And they basically give him official orders to post guards and assist him. Which Kirk is, you know, willing to do on a professional level, but on a very personal level, does not like it. He hates this whole situation, he doesn't like this guy, and he's very... You will have two guards for your storage room, and two guards only. I was asked to help, and now I am helping. And then he lets all of his crew, whoever's not on duty, have shore leave at the station if they wish. Which is where the Tribbles come in. So they go to a bar. Uhura ends up buying a Tribble off of this guy, I did write his name down, Sereno, Sereno Jones, who is like a snake oil salesman, think of your classic big jacket full of pockets of all sorts of little trinkets and inventions and things that he just wants to sell and he's willing to barter. And one of them is a Tribble. Uhura thinks it's very cute. I'm not surprised, like a small fluffy thing that purrs, I mean, humans love that stuff. You could definitely sell that. You got something the size of the Enterprise, there'd be enough people on board willing to buy it. So they get sold. What they don't realise at the time is that the Tribbles, as Dr. McCoy puts it, 50% of their biology seems to be completely dedicated to doing nothing more than birthing more Tribbles, and as far as he can tell, they're born pregnant. So they're just breeding out of control, and we're having an average litter of 10 to 11 Tribbles every round about three hours or so from each Tribble. And as you can imagine from that basic math, it gets out of control pretty quickly. Starts off with Uhura having one Tribble, then she's got 11. Dr. McCoy takes one, says he's going to conduct a few tests on it just to see what makes them tick. And she ends up giving away some of the others to the crew. And the episode sort of goes on and we have more events. We have a Klingon ship that shows up. Apparently, though, they're not actually here to cause trouble. We, has, we get to meet Captain Kolath, who is a character that isn't that important at this point, but will come up again. He's one of the, you know, Klingon captains that we'll meet in the future again. And he is here, he claims, by order of the same treaty, that means that they're not at peace, his people are allowed to have shore leave on Starfleet establishments. Now, of course, the Undersecretary isn't too thrilled about having Klingons on board where he has his grain that he is super protective of, and he's convinced they're here just to get his grain, but as Kirk points out, the peace accords do allow them to come here for Abshore Leaf if they wish, and there's nothing he can do about it. He has guards posted around the Klingons, he has guards posted around the grain, and he doesn't know what else he wants him to do. <laughs> and then we get a great, one of my favourite scenes, of Scotty, Chekhov, and two or three other, like, crewmen that are all off-duty. They're all on the station having a drink at the bar. Starts off with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of banter between Scotty and Chekhov. One's drinking vodka and one is drinking scotch, and they're both telling each other that the other is a late, is a girl's drink and they should try, try each other's drinks, basically. And then you get the drunk Klingon. And he's in the background... And he's there, and he's saying, obviously he's a bit drunk, and he wants a fight. He's basically pushing everyone's buttons verbally, trying to get them to hit him. 
And he's talking about how he doesn't like Earthmen. He views Earthmen as weak. Earthmen remind him of bloodworms, squishy and weak. And then he says, not Captain Kirk though. He doesn't remind me of a bloodworm. And then he says, he reminds me of what the bloodworms throw up. And starts being like really insulting to him. Says that he is a, was it, it was a tin-plated dictator with ideas of godhood. And all these other things. He just keeps going. He, he's really ripping into Kirk and the crew and Earthmen. And a couple of times, Chekhov almost bites. He's like, I, I can't take it. And he like makes a fist and goes to stand up. And Scotty puts the hand up and says, no, sit down. It's not worth fighting over. He's entitled to his opinion. What does it matter what he says? <laughs> and then we get the best scene where he's like, and then there's the Enterprise. Garbage scowl, as we call it, because we love the Enterprise. And then Scotty turns around and looks at them, of course, because chief engineer... He can put up with you insulting Earthmen. He can put up with you insulting his captain and friend. But what he cannot put up with is you insulting his profession, which is engineering. He is intensely proud of his ship, and he will not take a single insult to it. And so he, as the professional he is, and he did get orders from Kirk to not cause a fuss and try and just keep things under wraps, so he gives the Klingon one chance to rephrase that. And the Klingon says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that the Starship Enterprise is a garbage scowl. I meant it should be hauled away as a garbage. And Scotty just smiles. He puts his drink down and he stands up and he very calmly punches that Klingon in the face so fucking hard that he flies across the bar across two tables. Which is, of course, immediately followed up almost in unison by all of the Starfleet and all of the Klingon officers and one all pulling their chairs out and getting to their feet. Which turns into, as you would suspect, a brawl. Now luckily, none of them actually draw weapons. This is just a fist fight, so it doesn't turn into like holes in the starbase or an actual war. There's no casualties, just a few injuries. And then we have a great scene of Kirk walking up and down the line of all the officers and the men that were in the fight. And, well, what happened, men? Everyone says the same thing. I don't know, sir. I don't know, sir. Says the Chekhov, what happened? And he says, nothing happened, sir. He says, of course something happened. There was a fight. Otherwise you wouldn't be here and there wouldn't be a bruise on your face. Now, do you want to tell me the truth about what happened? Chekhov says, I, I don't know what happened, sir. He goes, I don't know very well. And he goes to Scotty. He's like, Scotty, you were the officer down there. I told you specifically to keep things calm. And Scotty says, you don't know what it was like, Captain. They were insulting you and us and the crew. And, you know, he's like, I see. He says, but I didn't hit him. I kept my cool. So after a little while, Kirk sort of dismisses them all and tells them all to go back to their cabins after it's clear they're not going to say anything. And he tells Scotty to stay. He says to Scotty, who threw the first punch, Scotty? And Scotty says, well, that'd be me. And Kirk is shocked, because I think Kirk fully, like everyone else, would expect it to be one of the younger officers or maybe Chekhov, someone a little more fiery and irresponsible, not the chief engineer. <laughs> He's like, you threw the first punch. He's like, well, I'm sure you wouldn't have thrown a punch unless it was a good reason. You said they were insulting us. And he says, yes, they're insulting Earthmen, called us bloodworms. He says, oh, well, and that's when you hit them, right? He goes, no, 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 of course not. Of course not. They're entitled to their opinion, and I told Chekhov wanted to hit them, but I told him, no, we, we could wait. And he said, oh, so that you didn't hit him. 
He said, ah, but you said they were insulting me, so when they insulted me, that that's when you hit him, right, Scotty? You were just defending your captain? Scotty says, no, sir. Again, I told them they were entitled to their opinion, and I told Chekhov not to hit him. And he goes, so you didn't hit him after he insulted me, and you didn't hit him after he insulted humanity. So what did... And then he just sort of breaks Scotty Car hold anymore. He's like, he called the Enterprise a garbage scow, Captain. I could not stand for it. <laughs> Kirk's face. He's, he plays a really good kind of sarcastic and almost a little bit, like, offended. But he's like, so they insulted me, and you didn't care. They insulted us, and you didn't care. But they insulted the ship, and you hit him. He's like, that's right, Captain. It's a matter of profession. <laughs> And I'm sorry, but that entire scene, I know it's so predictable, but I love it. It makes me laugh every time as I'm just, it's so perfect to have the engineer be the one to throw the punch. It really is. Now, of course, this, everyone fears this will escalate. The Klingons immediately go to the undersecretary and are demanding an apology. But at this point, there's another problem brewing. Earlier I mentioned that the shrivels were breeding and that there had been one litter and that Uhura had had to you know, give some out to people, and Dr. McCoy had taken one. Now, at this point, Dr. McCoy has made a lot of his breakthroughs about them, that they are basically born pregnant, and most of their biology is slanted directly towards breeding. And, you know, this is becoming a problem, because as we see both on the ship and the station, in a scene at the bar, and a scene, like, both on the bridge and in one of the dining rooms, Kirk goes to get his meal, a chicken sandwich and a coffee. They are now inside the machinery. And instead, he gets a cup with a tribble in it, and a plate with three tribbles on it. Then he turns to Spock, who is holding a cup with a tribble in it. And he looks around the room, and there are now tribbles, like, stuck to the walls all over the place. There are tribbles covering the table, and almost every crewman in the room has four or five of them across their shoulders and, like, on their chest. They're not dangerous or anything. As far as they can tell, they barely have a mouth. Like, they, they're a tiny little animal. They're still harmless, but... They're breeding out of control. And then we see Scotty come running into the room and he says, Captain, and he's got his arms full with like, it has to be like 15, 20 tribbles that he's barely holding up. He's like, Captain, they're in the machinery. I'll bet they're in every food processor on the entire ship. And he's like, oh, how did they get into that? And he says, through the vents, I suspect. And then there's a moment where Scotty and, uh, no, not sorry, not Scotty, Spock and Kirk look at each other and they realize... Vents. There are vents in the storage containers where the grain is being stored on the station. And they know already that if they are breeding out of control on the ship, they're breeding out of control on the station too. And if they can get through vents here, they immediately beam down. They tell the undersecretary to be waiting. And they rush down there. And the Klingons are in the office. They're upset. They end up following Kirk, like, what's going on? He tells his man to open up the storage compartment where the grain is. Because up until this point, they've been obsessed with it, and they've been guarding it, and it's been coming up, but we haven't actually seen it. The men just stand in front of it and guard it. So at this point, they open it up. And when Kirk opens it up, tribbles fall on him. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tribbles come falling out of this thing, and they just keep coming in bulks. And you've quickly realized the tribbles are breeding out of control. And at that point... 
Kirk picks one up and says, well, I have a feeling the grain supply didn't do very well. There must be thousands of them, hundreds of thousands maybe. And then Spock kicks in with, I, I didn't write down the exact number, but it's like 1.8 something million. And he's done the maths, of course, based on the amount of food that's around and how many they have in a litter and the time that's passed in the very Spock scientific manner. He comes out with a very exact number that is well over a million, which is very impressive considering there was one on the station barely three days ago. And they're literally eating them out of food. Now, at this point, an interesting discovery is made. It was actually made earlier in the bar. The Tribbles, like everyone, they don't really make many sounds, just this nice calming bit. Except Klingons. When they pass the Klingon tables, they freak out. They get really, like, they start moving around, they start trying to get away, and they make this hostile sound. Now, the Undersecretary is in the room, and he's real upset. He's telling Kirk that you didn't take this seriously, you didn't take me seriously, and now I'm going to hold you personally responsible for all of this. All the grain has been eaten. Planet Sherman is not going to be developed properly. The Klingons are probably going to get it. You've just handed it to them. And then one of the Tribbles freaks out at his assistant. And Kirk starts thinking, and he starts walking around, and he realizes something. He goes near the Klingons, it freaks out. He goes away from the Klingons, it calms. He goes over to Spock and says, they like Vulcans. They don't like Klingons. They like humans. And then he asked uh, Cyrano Jones, who was in the room at the time, because he had been summoned, of course, because this is all his fault. He brought the Tribbles here. And he says, where did you get them? And he's, he says, oh, he doesn't give an exact location. He says, I got them in my travels. He said, they're kind. They like everyone. Well, except Klingons, of course, but they like everyone. And then it passes the assistant again. And it freaks out once again. Then you realise the assistant actually has the, like, lightish brown, almost bronzy skin tone that all the Klingons in this era do have. But he looks more human. And McCoy comes over and gives him a little scan with the medical device. And they realise quickly, oh, he's a Klingon. Now, remember a few episodes earlier during the Babel episode, we had a Romulan, oh, sorry, an Orion, who was dressed and genetically, not fully genetically altered, but like altered enough and given fake parts and all that sort of stuff to pass as an Endorian. Well, it turns out this Klingon has been passing as a human and a human assistant to the agricultural minister, which makes a lot of sense when you remember that whoever develops this planet the best is going to get the planet. So of course the Klingons have sent an agent over here to sabotage our agricultural methods, that way it would all fail. And we learn that he has poisoned the grain. And we learn this because a bunch of the Tribbles falling out when they start realizing something is wrong are dead. And they're dead because the grain is poisoned and they all died from eating it. Now they kept breeding, they didn't all die at once, but enough are dead that they're like, okay, and they do some tests on the grain, a quick scan, and they realize, yeah, the grain has been poisoned. And when they do a brief scan, they realize that if it had been planted in the ground, it would have grown for approximately four or five weeks, and then it would have started to seem to everyone else to mysteriously die. So basically, it would have looked as if the humans had made a real effort to agriculturally enhance the planet and develop it, and then it had failed miserably about a month into their efforts, and then the Klingons would, of course, come in swaggering about how humans are useless. Look at the Klingon side. At least we were successful. It's our planet now. Now, this is mighty embarrassing for Koloth, the uh, Klingon captain there, because he's like, Captain, about that apology I asked for, and Captain Kirk walks over to him and says, Oh, well, you see, that man is under arrest for being an undercover spy, and if I were you, Klingon, I'd get your ship the hell out of Federation space. 
I have a feeling once I reveal the facts of this case that no one in the Empire will back you if you try and claim anything against me, because what you've done is being caught in the act. Now, and you think he looks down and he says, you've got about six hours to get your ship the hell away from here. Which, of course, they take him up on that. They're a bit annoyed and they pull their shirt down a bit and do the stomp away like I'm angry march, but not much they can do. The Klingons have been caught in their scheme and they've embarrassed themselves because they're supposed to be an honourable people and you get caught doing these sorts of things publicly, it's dishonourable. Now, Cyrano Jones is sort of punished. They do claim that because the rate of the tribal growth is actually a threat to local wildlife, like, if you brought this anywhere, it can eat the supply of food very quickly. Like, within days, you could be finding yourself out of supplies because of them. So they determine that makes this a dangerous creature to breed and sell, which means he would be going against a few Federation regulations. But they also say that because your tribbles were instrumental in unfoiling the Klingon plot, we'll make you a deal. If you pick up all the Klingons yourself and clean up this station, then we'll let you go. And Spock does a little bit of maths and works out this will take him 17.9 years. Of which he then tells him that the only other alternative is that for breaking that, you would have to do a 20-year rehabilitation stay at one of the rehabilitation colonies, which is basically prison time for 20 years. So 17.9 years picking up tribbles and being sort of free, or 20 years in a prison. Yeah, not great, he chooses to stay. I kind of wish we got a bit more of a follow-up on how long it actually took him and whether he did it. But you know, anyway, it's, it's a very... It's not a short episode, it's 50 minutes like all the others, but it's a fairly simple episode. It's classic, it's got the fun moment of Scotty beating one of the Klingons half to death. It's got the great Kirk being a sarcastic prick when it comes to government officials, which I'm, I'm all about. I love anyone being sarcastic and wasting government's day. Those people deserve it. But, like, it's a good episode. It's good fun, the Tribbles are, for whatever reason, really iconic. I don't... Like, I watched this episode and I really like it, but honestly, rewatching it, I wouldn't put this, like, that far above most. Like, this, I would say, is above average, but it's not one of the great episodes. Like, I'm not really sure why it has such a following. Maybe it's just it was a good episode early on that a lot of people just remember it. I don't know. But I think it's... I don't know, I'll have to look it up when we get to it, but like I mentioned before, in Deep Space Nine, I think it's the 20th anniversary of Star Trek, because this would have been, like, mid-90s. And this was late 60s, or maybe it was late 90s. I don't know, something like that. They had a special episode where they go back in time, and this Klingon that just got arrested, spoilers in future, is going to, I believe, do a little time travelling of his own to try and fix this plot so that it actually does work, because apparently it ruined his life and reputation after this. And it becomes like a weird time travel intermingling in between scenes of this episode by the new crew from Deep Space Nine, to deal with the same Klingon who is now much older, while trying to assist his younger self. It's it's a really weird and convoluted episode, but it's actually really, really good. Like, it, it was a really good, if you're going to do an anniversary episode where you want to just sort of put some new characters in old content, it's it's a really good one. Like, we get a good, I guess they rotoscoped it, I don't actually know exactly how they did it, but they got Captain Sisko, who at the time is posing as, I believe, just an ensign or something, and he walks up and he shakes Kirk's hand and says, I just wanted to request if I could shake your hand, Captain. It'd be quite the honour. <laughs> you know, because of course, by that point, this is nearly a hundred years in the future. Like, Kirk is long gone, and at this point, all of his exploits from episodes like this are probably famous and examples that they study at the Academy all the time. 
you know, all of these people that were on board, Sulu and all that, like, they're all long since been admirals and died for the most part, and they are now all studied and famous figures throughout Starfleet. But this is, of course, their youth, so that hasn't happened yet. But I think, as far as anniversary editions go, they did pretty damn good with that one. It was really fun. I think it was better than the Voyager one that they did, which we'll, we'll get into that when we get to it, because that's less to do with this, but that one wasn't as good. Anyway... Thanks for coming by. That was Trouble with Tribbles. I'm going to edit this all together, and then I think I've actually recorded a fair few episodes today, so that should be good. Bye for now.